Supporter Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at facefacegames.com. Come on, Travis, we all know that if you were going to go for that achievement, you would play the Cavanagh named Squirrel. That would just bring a tear to my eye. Come, come on, guys, we're being a little bit too cheeky here. Oh, oh, oh nuts. <laughs> that was a corny joke. Alright, maybe you can play it, Louis. Maybe you can play it, Louis. Give me a stuck in my head. I'm coming after both. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to episode 58 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, just the one regular host, that's Travis. You know, I'm starting to feel like a broken record right now. You're feeling like a broken record. I could have sworn I've said this a couple of times. Only a couple of times? See, see, what's happened here is I suck at technology. Um, you suck at technology. <laughs> we recorded a podcast on Sunday with the inimitable, the one, the only, Brad Nelson. And I kind of lost the first half hour. Christopher. Well, you know, they do call me the Lands Dirtle for a reason. As I said earlier, your turtledom has transgressed from physical magic cards to the electronic arts, and now if we just get you on Magic Online, your turtledom will be complete. I will be a dirtle while dirtling. And then the dirtle will overtake the dirtle, and there will be, anyway... You will dirtle your dirtle. I don't think I want to talk about that on a family show. So, Travis and I decided we were going to jump on and just do a, a quick introduction to the parts that we missed, or uh, that I missed when I didn't get the recording started properly. And uh, we're going to try that for the second time, this time with me having actually pressed the record button. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. I, is I the, don't is even the know. red light on? Is it glowing? There isn't a red light. Maybe there oh, should yeah. be. <laughs> so Brad was uh, started off by talking about the Niv Megas Elemental deck they brewed for the Pro Tour, Star City Blue Team, uh, which he said I think he got from a friend of Jerry's. I do believe that is right. Uh, a very rough version of it. Yeah, and they went through a few um, iterations of it. They didn't have the uh, the harbinger, the flamekin harbinger at first, I think he said. And uh, didn't he say they tried Death Shadow in the deck as well? Uh, Death Shadow. Um, he talked about the the Kiln Fiend, about how it evolved to be very good against some decks. Um, yeah. And then he talked about their their testing with Scapeshift. You have that yeah. really well. Yeah, he they he said they tested against Scapeshift. He was playing it, and Jerry just went... Or Jerry Thompson, obviously, that is. Uh, he played a Secure Tribelder on turn two, and Brad just said, okay, kill you. Do we really need to test this matchup anymore? So basically, they just decided they were faster than all the combo decks, right? Yeah, I can't think of one that they that can win faster than it right now. Maybe Infect, but... I mean, they can still interact with Infect. 
you know what I mean, slaughter pact, right? Like, you're winning on turn two. Even if they drop first turn Glistener Elf, you just ground rift it. And you're running Gush. God. Yeah. I mean, he talked about the turn two kill that he had in round one, and it was apparently double ground rift. It wasn't uh, Tainted Strike like I thought it was. Which, which is double hilarious. ground rift is just sick. Yeah, because of all the storm copies. And yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> he also talked about how they just couldn't beat Jund in testing, which turned out to be all over the place. And again, why are they still calling it Jund? I mean, yeah, it is. it's no longer black, red, green. It's now black, red, green, white. So, if anything, it's more like a junk deck. You said it's four-color good stuff. Yeah, four-color good stuff is what it is. I mean, you know, even, like, some of them run Kitchen Finks in the board, some in the main, and, yeah, that's partly white as well. I think they should just call it Burning Junk. I think they should call it Hunk of Junk or Super Junk. Chunk of Junk. Or just My Junk. What you going to put inside that junk? Thought sees. Okay. Um, this is going nowhere fast. Yes, it is. Then, then we transitioned into standard, and Brad dropped the technology on us like a pipe bomb. Yep, he delivered it from up on high. Yeah, and he left a giant smoking crater with it. See what I did there? And unfortunately, this behemoth of a deck, we were not allowed to share until the day you're listening to this, what, Saturday at the earliest? Yes, because he's playing it at GP Charleston, and he's going to win GP Charleston, he thinks. I am not going to argue. I, I could see him doing very well. I mean, he's going to have some very devastating turn fours. Turn threes, even, I think, for this. Turn. I, I know, but why would you do it in turn three? Just drop another couple elves and really crush them on turn four? Yeah, I suppose. Do we want, do we want to give the listeners yeah, this we, list? You may want to actually explain what we're talking about here. You think so? Yeah. Well, it's a deck. As opposed to it being a not a deck. Yeah, uh, it's a standard deck, and um, should we just give them the list? Let's go for it. Do you want to read it, or do you want me to? I think I think I can read it. Uh, I, I've got it organized here into creatures and, and lands and spells and stuff, so that might make it a little easier to read. I don't, are you sure they're ready for this deck? I don't know if anyone's ready for this. But I, I don't think, I think they're ready said, for let's, this deck. Let's just drop the bomb, leave it a smoking crater, and get on with it. This this body is too bootylicious for them. Babe. I mean, hoof there it is. Oh yeah. So that is the name of the deck. Hoof there it is. I wonder right, if they figured start. out what this what this is all about yet. Have we I, dropped I enough a, really really bad puns yet? I I, I don't know, but I, I think our sage advice has uh, has said enough. They have the rights to remain. So okay. So <laughs> stop lingering, Chris. Okay, Just I'm sorry. Break the serenity. Use your instincts and get this over with. Yeah, try and salvage it. Okay. So in the deck, there are two mulch, four unburial rites, three lingering souls, four arbor elf, one angel of serenity, four Avison's pilgrim, four tracker's instincts, four grizzly salvage, three deathrite shaman, four craterhoof behemoth, that's I'm a lot of behemoth. It is. That, that's much beef. There's, there's, I'm missing something from the main deck, though, uh, Travis. What um, What have I forgotten? Oh, four Somberwald Sage. Yep. That is a card. 
that that's just yeah. Yeah. I know it made, that's, uh, it made me excited. I mean I was yeah, I was pleasantly excited. yeah. It's green and two for a human cleric, I believe, and it taps to add three mana of any color to your mana pool, but you can only spend it on creature spells. Like you the can use it on anything else. Yeah, exactly. The mana pool, no, the mana base, the mana pool's a podcast with Chewy. Four Woodland Cemetery, six Forest, two Cavernous Souls, four Temple Garden, three Shimmering Grotto, four Overgrown Tomb. And the sideboard, two Memories Journey, four Thrag Tusk, one Lingering Souls, two Gavney Township, two Angel of Serenity, four Garrick Relentless. Wow. Just think so, about that. Thrag Tusk is not good enough for the main in this deck. That's how good this deck is. Well, he he does bring it in quite often, he said. And I think, especially against the aggro decks, you need that buffer. He mentioned that his main strategy against a lot of decks, when they side in Graveyard Hate, is just to stop being a reanimator deck. Which is fantastic. Oh, look, you drop your turn to... uh, Rest in peace. Rest in peace. How do you like that? It's Garuk Relentless. It's Thragtusk. It's Gavity Township. Be down. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you've still got all the mana dogs. I mean, Lingering Souls become slightly less good, but meh. And it's not like a Critter Hoop Behemoth's going to be any worse because you're playing it from your hand instead of the graveyard. I, I think he said he took them out when he stops being reanimated and puts in um, the Garricks instead, right? I, I thought he left, uh, still left them in because he leaves in the Summerwald Sage. I don't I know. I think I like I, the Mulch and Burial Rites and things. No, I think he leaves those in, maybe. Well, I don't know. It might, I'll ask him when I uh, when I talk to him on Friday. We will but put yeah, it in this, the show notes as to what he uh, leaves in. The uh, He does say that against the other reanimator strategies, he leaves in all of the reanimation package and adds the extra Deathrite Shaman to basically get Deathrite advantage on them. He uses Garrick to kill their Deathrite Shamans and then starts eating their graveyard. Mr. Nelson is a very uh, sick individual. If I didn't know better, I'd, very smart one. Yeah, if I didn't know better, I'd say he was good at this game. Right? Like uh, I don't know. He, he certainly seems to know what he's doing. Although he did admit that he was a dog to my Turbo Fog deck. He did. I mean, which you will hear. You will hear. I mean, he, he in all humbleness, he knows that I would just absolutely crush him. I would leave him a smoking crater. With your hoof. With my fog. Uh, that would be smoking. There'll be a fogged crater then, not a smoking one, right? Hey, fog, smoke, it's all good. It conceals. Yes, that way Raska can stay hidden. Yes. The shadows. Okay, so the rest of the show is pretty much intact, and it's really good. As always, Brad fits in really well with us. We had a good chat about a lot of things. And you'll get to hear a lot of good knowledge about the current standard environment, and I think I think you'll enjoy it immensely. And also, Brad's plan to uh, go around to various Friday Night Magics and just incognito to crush opponents. Well, that's not going to work now. Well, you know, they're still not going to know him. He's still going to have on the mask. He's still going to be speaking uh, in strange tongues. Yes. I think that's going to be awesome if he actually does it. Somehow, I don't think he will. We'll see. Okay. So you'll hear all of this. You've got all this to come. Uh, we hope very much that you enjoy what's left of the show. Uh, I can't apologize enough for being pathetic at this game. And we hope Chris uh, is actually recording this this time. Oh, I am. I think. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I yeah. am. 
If you're hearing us, then you know it worked out. So, we are going to leave you in the capable hands of us. We'll be recording again this weekend with a very special returning guest. So, uh, enjoy the rest of the show, guys. So, give us some insight into this article, like uh, or this video content that you're doing. What are some of the changes that you made that you can give us sort of a preview? Of? Oh God. Um, okay, so the first version of the deck had four grave crawlers. Wow. And four Lotleth troll, and no Sombral Sage, and no blue, no Deathrite Challenge. Was, what was that? Was it called zombies? I mean, it, <laughs> it wasn't called anything, right? It was always called Hoof. There it is, though. Like, we can't call this Hoof, there it is, but that's the name. That Anyone that plays this like that is the name. <laughs> Why can't you call it that? Why? I have to have, like, names that are, like, new player friendly, so I have to call it, like, Four-Color Behemoth Ramp Ritual Reanimator. I don't know. Like, I have to, like, just add every single keyword. Or, like, I made jokes about how we should just call it Angels and Beasts, like they did at Pro Tour Barcelona. I don't know if you know that, but... Our, our Naya deck, it was just like Naya Agro, and they called it Angels and Wolves. It was like, what kind of name is that? Like, <laughs> how is that a name of a deck? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there, there was a big argument about this on Twitter today. It's the old Affinity versus Robot Exactly, thing, yeah. It's, it's kind of tiring. I mean, just call the deck anything. Sure, when I started... People were saying, oh, yeah, Trix has a really good matchup against Cocoa Pebbles, and I would be like, what the heck are you talking about? Is this, like, magic or breakfast cereal cook-off or something? All right, here's, here's my – this is my thought on deck names and why, why we're doing things like that. And, like, sure, it, it's not, like, new player-friendly, but I don't see why it has to be. We already know that this is magic, and we're all hooked for life, right? We are yeah. stuck. We're done. You know, we are going to be playing this game forever, and new players are just new players that are going to be stuck forever. Like, why do we have to baby them? Make them deal with the crap that we had to deal with. Like, I don't want to name my deck robots because they don't know what affinity is. Like, learn what affinity is. Like, like they'll get more problems. Like, it's just annoying, right? But we'll just, like, like, say, like, come on, Wizards, why are we calling this deck like this? We'll just, like, complain and be annoying. Because, like, if there's anything wrong with something, we have to complain about it, because we don't have anything else bad in our lives. <laughs> I think with the Affinity versus Robots argument, like, there's only one card with Affinity in the list at all at the moment. It does. But I, I, when, you, when you hear Affinity, honestly, what's the first card that comes to mind? It is not, like, Frogmite, it is Ravager or, or Cranial Plating. Those are the cards you think of when you think of Affinity. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. But I think Wizards is just trying to get Affinity out of the vocabulary altogether, I believe. Well, they want names that are... They want decks to be friendly enough to where a new player would be like, oh, I get why it's called that. Because they're all, like, artifact creatures. They're robots. <laughs> I get it. Um... But we can't, we'll never be able to call that anything but Affinity. It's just Affinity to us. But then again, how many people could, said they could never call Boston Garden anything but Boston Garden? Um, what? All right, when, when, all right, so when somebody plays Rest in Peace, do you say your graveyard is removed from the game or is your graveyard exiled? 
Uh, I say exiled, but that's because I have to be careful what I say when I'm judging. Sure, yeah, yeah, when you're judging, but, like, I have yet to say exiled. I have always said removed from game, right, or enters enters the battle, yeah. you know, comes to the battlefield or whatever. I don't, I don't know what that one is, but... I mean, these things are just, like, stuck in my head, so I I will not, like, I'm glad I don't make any of these decisions, and I can just, like, complain about them, because, like, I like the old ways, man, I'm getting old, like, I need things to stay the same, and I need to, you know, I enjoy that I yell at kids on my yard, like, that is something that I appreciate <laughs> that I do. Yeah. No, no, I hear you, and it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, argument that people have been having. I think we should just call it whatever we want. I mean, if anybody says robots to me, I know what deck they mean. And if they say affinity, I know what deck they mean. It doesn't bother me either way. Well, sir, then you need to start complaining more. You are too content in life. <laughs> if only. <laughs> so this deck looks sweet, and uh, I'm sure it's going to do really well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It seems very well positioned in the current metagame, like very well positioned. Um, decks are going to have to change for this. Like, I not guaranteeing that this is, like, the end-all, be-all, hot knife through butter this weekend. I hope, I'm hoping it is, but I can guarantee that this strategy punishes so many things in this format that I don't see how I'm not going to do well. I can't beat Jund, but I don't think Jund is good. Like, no one's, <laughs> no one's playing Jund. And I, I haven't, I played, like, 150 matches of this deck in the last week, and I don't think, I, I've never played against Jund. Like, it just doesn't exist anymore because Jun can't beat the counter deck or the reanimator deck, and those are the two. Like, the, the, the counter deck won, like, Todd won the PE this weekend with it. It won the open, and, and then Four Color Reanimator won the other PE premier event. So, like, those are just the decks that exist right now. Yeah, I'm wondering how well this will do locally because a lot of people are still on Jun. They spent all the money on the Thrag Tusks and the Olivias, so... Yeah, real life magic, you do see like the people not change as frequently as Moto, because you like on Moto the you know if you buy a card for thirty five tickets, you can sell it for thirty three. Yeah. Where in real life, you know, you're you're stuck taking a way bigger ding. Um, so it might not, but like, you know, you already locked in, man. You got to do it. Oh, it's got to be done. It's got to. Yeah. I'll, I'll even give you my new updated list. There we go. Yeah. I'll look forward to yeah, that. Yeah, you'll be the first champion with this deck. <laughs> you, and if I if I do well with it, I'll let you know what caused me trouble. You'll you'll still have time to change it. You'll broadcast <laughs> the night before, and then everyone will be prepared for you on Saturday. Uh, this is something I will not. Do. Yes, because <laughs> thank you. I don't know if I'd be able to. You know, all right, this interview's over. If that's if that's <laughs> even going to happen, <laughs> no, definitely not. So, uh, I, looking at this list, Travis, how do you think this holds up to your monstrous Turbo Fog brew? I, I could never be Turbofog in a million years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the Turbofog deck would have fun with this. Yes. <laughs> My one-hit wonder deck. <laughs> so talk to us, Travis. You've been having some success with this online, yeah? Yeah. Uh, on Friday, Andrew McGreeny asked me to uh, help him work on a Turbofog list, and I started playing around with it in my head. And as, as Brad was saying earlier, with Thrag Test dominating the for format, you can't go under it. And you, you had to try to go over it. I thought I'd try to go around it um, with mill and fog. Uh, right now, for the little bit of testing I've done, I've only got about 20 matches in. It does really well against any deck that is relying on creatures to, to win. So all of them? <laughs> um, I'm losing the Mono Red Burn, but yeah, who plays Mono Red Burn? Seriously. How many fogs are in the deck, and how do you gain card advantage? Um... 
There are 11 fog effects, 4 fog, 4 druids deliverance, and 3 clinging mists. Uh, the early game is mostly card advantage spells. I've got uh, 4 thought scour, 4 think twice, 4 divination. Um, Cyclonic rift has been really good. Oh yeah, that's good. The early advantage and then late game is practically a fog bouncing during the combat step. It's a double fog, kind of. Yeah. And then a snapcaster mage to rebuy all the um, the card advantage or the fogs. And then it uses pretty much Jace Memory Adept and Increasing Confusion to, to close out the game. That's awesome. That's very cool. Other Atlas in to get the... If I get those going, I'm drawing so many cards as that I pretty much bury the mm-hmm. artifacts. But it's been, it's been pretty good so far. Uh, yeah. before, before the listeners ask, no, you cannot cast Cyclonic Rift with Overload if you flash it back with Snapcaster Mage. Because it's going to have... People are going to ask us that question. Well, not on Moto. <laughs> you can't in real life either. Well, you can't technically. <laughs> Depends on who's paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, don't get me on that problem. <laughs> Uh, the sideboard, I, I put in four to spell and four negate to combat the uh, the counterspell decks, and um, I mean most of my spells are so cheap that it's easier for me just to to fog the three or four turns necessary to to mill them out. And when you're playing things like a sort of like the deck you've got in the frights that are already playing a lot of spells that either draw them cards or put cards in their graveyard, it's it's really simple just to hit somebody for ten, fifteen, twenty cards and put them to where they've only got one or two turns before you win. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes sense, and it's, like, literally the most tilting deck to play against, and I'm assuming you like that. There's nothing better than it being, like, turn four and someone attacking for the game and saying, is that it? And then you're passing fog. And they finally realize what they're playing against and what 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 the rest of the game's going to look like. It's, ugh. I have never liked people like you. <laughs> so one of the things I found when I was playing Turbo Fog is that you have to you have to manage your life total very carefully. Well, wait, this is a thing that everyone does. I took Turbo Fog to a game day and went one, two, and two, with all of the matches that were completed were in one game. Shocking! <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> Oh man, I would have went two one and two, but the uh, the zombie player hit zombie apocalypse to finish me off. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it in from the board because I was playing a bunch of sweepers. Yeah, I had Archangel's Light in the deck for crying out loud. What's that? Uh, I think it's it's eight mana. Oh, it's the gain for two for each card in graveyard and shuffle. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You. Oh my god! I just realized that I I'm like the joke pro player, aren't I? <laughs> We'd be like, hey, come, come on our podcast. Yeah, let's talk about this card. And I'm like, yeah, that's Trading Post is awesome. And I'm like, oh, wait, what have I done to myself? Oh, no. <laughs> There's a reason you put in so well with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like, Men of Magic's like, no, he is just too much of a jokester for us. This is serious talk. <laughs> <laughs> But that deck was so much fun to play. I actually had one guy, every time I cast a fog, would start, like, pulling his hair. Yeah. He was just like, oh, you got another one? I'm like, well, I do have three rights of flourishing out. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Travis, what uh, what cards did you consider and dismiss? I mean, was an action injunction ever on the uh, in the list? Uh, I tested it some. It was mainly in the sideboard at first, but it, it doesn't do enough. It's only good the first or two, two or three turns when you want to just stop a little bit of life gain or a little bit of damage. Um, basically, when you play this, you just the first four turns you're not doing anything but drawing cards. 
And then from turn five on, it's fog or bounce everything they have. And in Action Injunction, I mean, it draws a card, but it, 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 I was pretty much only playing it to cycle. It wasn't really doing the, the damage prevention that you needed to be worth it, worth including it. Uh, okay. Originally, we used psych- we tried Psychic Spiral. Uh, I still have two in the board because against the Counterspell decks, it can be pretty good because it's an instant speed spell. Um, but you're, you're using Think Twice to flashback stuff. You're using Snapcaster Mage. Your graveyard never really fills up enough to really do damage with Psychic Spiral. Yeah. Uh, increasing Confusion ended up being the card that really... I mean, you look at it and you don't think much of it, but you cast it for like three on turn four, and then turn seven or eight, you cast it again and get them for fourteen or fifteen, fourteen or sixteen, and I mean that's a third of their deck in one card. I mean, the counterspell decks are just like auto losers, right? Like you can literally not win a game against them. Well, I'll bring in four to spell and four negate, and that lets me fight them pretty well. Sure, after sideboard you just out counter them. That makes sense. And then uh, the game one, when they're if they're not when they're not ready for it. Um, you can you can get some game ones simply because they're doing things like into turn tap out Sphinx of, uh, Sphinx's revelation. They're already milling themselves enough to where um, if I can resolve Jace, it puts them on a pretty quick clock. Uh, and most of them are using things like Oblivion Ring to get rid of him, and I'll just bounce the Oblivion Ring with Psychonic. <coughs> well, I'm more I'm more think like the blue white flash deck. Like that matchup is just the worst. I haven't really just, got it much yet. I'll, I'll uh, yeah. I don't think you can win a game, at least not against a good player. Like, they literally just have Runechender Spike and Counter Spells, and they'll just, like, wait until they just can counter your last couple Fogs or whatever good spell you have. Like, that matchup seems real rough. Yeah, that deck that deck is annoying. It reminds me far too much of Delva. What? No, this is a fairy deck. For that one, um, they, they lean on Essence Scatter more than the Negates and Dissipates. So they're only going to have four or five Counter Spells to, to get rid of the, the Fog effects that I need. And the Fog effects are so cheap... And you, I've got so many by the use of the end of the game. If they counter one, I usually just cast another. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm actually. I was just arguing with you to get someone to defend an argument for Turbo Fog. <laughs> like actually, all I was doing. Supreme verdict in the board might help against that deck too. No, no, they're just all flash based, and they're like they're they're Rune Changer Spike Morlinhan based. So like that's just like too good against it. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, sounds like Delver, but I, I never played against Fairies. Okay, so yeah, Delver's, like, faster, less resilient, um, more, like, tempo-orientated, where Fairies was a, like, Fairies was the c- control deck that turned into the aggressive deck, and the aggressive tempo deck like this. Like, you just had to find the turn where you went from being passive to aggressive. And that's kind of what this deck does, but the the turn is actually more simple to find. It's 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 literally the turn where they go counterspell with rewind, untap, restoration, angel, and that's like the turn they start going a little aggressive. And uh, and so that's what this deck is. Is it's very defensive, building up card advantage, building up, and then boom, there's my aggression. Now I'm going to invest all of my cards into beating you instead of all of my cards into conserving my resources. Sure. And um, and so that's what that is. Delver was just, like, the hyper-aggressive, like, I'm going to get you dead right away because all my cards are super powerful. So, like, you have infinite time against this deck. I, I, I'm saying this only because I don't want people to think they're under pressure. That deck does not pressure you. You have time to interact with them. They're not going to kill you out of nowhere. Just con- just understand that when a pike can kill you and when it can. But for the most part, you don't want to be under pressure because you want to prioritize your spells in a way that, like, 
<clears throat> so the way I play against those decks, and I do really well against them, is because I understand the important turns. And the important turns are the turns that they're going to try to cast Restoration Angel. That is a key turn in the game. So what I want to do is I want to play spells that are very low impact until that turn that they're going to try to Resto me, and then I want to play my high impact spell. So they counter it, so they can't cast the Restoration Angel, and I get more damage, and I bleed them more. So, like, a deck like the, the Reanimator I can play, like, I will, you'll very often see me, like, flashing back Lingering Souls and flashing back Tracker's Instincts just, like, early in the game. Like, I have six cards in hand, but I'm just like, all right, flash Tracker's Instinct, um, digging a little bit more into my deck. Like, I could try to go for a Crater Hoof, or I could try to go for an Unbearer Rites, or try to resolve a Death Rite Shaman, because that's very good against them, or even a Thread Tusk. But I'm just going to sit back and wait until that turn where rest, if they cast Restoration Angel, they might start getting a board advantage, and that's the turn that I'm going to start slamming my spells. And just keep them off the angel. And just keep them not being able to transition their game plan. Because the longer that they can't transition the game plan, that's how many turns it's going to take for you to, them to kill you. If they wanted to cast a, a Restoration Angel and start attacking, but they had to counter something, you get an extra turn that game. You get one more draw step. And because they're purely reacting to you, oftentimes the longer the game goes, the better it goes for you, unless they cast like a Sphinx, uh, Sphinx's Revelation, because they draw a bunch of cards. But whenever you're the reactive deck, you, you have to either have a ton of card advantage or a transition to attack, or you're going to eventually just, you know, dry up because your opponent will cast, like it doesn't matter if it's just an Arbor Elf, right? Like if your opponent can't answer it, that will eventually kill them. So like if that just needles them for a couple turns in the early game and it just keeps whittling them down, or two Lingering Souls tokens, it doesn't matter if you're both just drawing card for card. Uh, they have to draw answers, and your all your cards are just actual threats, and all their cards are just actual answers. So if they don't met, meet well, or if they draw land, an extra land, or a spell that doesn't interact with the card that you have, um, so they need to like switch gears and and move on to the offensive. So I feel like no understanding that that's how the game will play out for for a lot of players. Uh, means that they'll win more against it because a lot of people lose games they shouldn't lose because they feel like they're under pressure like they were against Delver. Wow, there's some knowledge for your listeners. <laughs> so you probably played against the deck a lot because that was a, a Todd and BBD came up with that, right? Uh, the Flash deck? Yeah. No, Um Well, I played against it a lot online and I'm also just like, I... The, the, the great thing is the deck that I'm playing right now is very good against them and that's what I've been playing in Standard. Uh, mostly because I, you know, like, the way that I describe that is, like, it is a just a mental warfare where I'm just trying to annoy him to death with the way I order my spells. And this deck has unlimited options. Like, I, the thing is, this deck has way too many resources, resources for them to handle. They have Think Twice, other than that, and Snapcaster um, for card advantage, and I have Deathrite Shaman that actually interacts favorably against both those cards. So if I ever have a Death Rite Shaman, which they can't counter on turn one, and they can't kill because they don't have Dismember or anything, that guy just sits in play and literally kills them because it shocks them for two every turn. They have to go aggressive, but the Rune Changer's Pikes are dry. Um, mm-hmm. they, they can't get any value off their Snapcast Mage, so they just play them as Ambush Vipers. Their Think Twice is they have to play with five mana, or I'm going to eat that from them. Um, so, and also they have to interact with Lingering Souls, Tracker's Instincts, and then eventually Cavernous Souls, Crater Hope, which obviously they can't do anything to, about, but they have to be prepared to, like, counter my Unbearer Rites and, and interact with my Lingering Souls tokens, and the deck digs very deep very quickly. So, um, the matchup is very good, but, like, the games are very skill-intensive, and, like, so many options all the time, so 
when I play against these matchups, I, and I feel comfortable. Like the the my the most comfortable I am in Magic is playing a deck like this against a deck like that because I have infinite options and I know I have the advantage. And the game and they can't punish me for anything. Like they are stuck having to weather the storm that they can't weather. It's like it's it's the most beautiful experience of your life of playing a game of magic that lasts forever but you will eventually win and you will embarrass them in the process that's so awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah that deck I've been uh, watching it on online a lot uh, especially today in the uh, the SCG mm-hmm. open and it it just looks so frustrating to play against so i mean yeah but i yeah this this if you want a deck that just smashes that if the, if the good players at your FNM are winning with that deck, and they're like, ha, I'm playing Hollowed Fountain because I'm the awesome person that plays Hollowed Fountain every tournament. Like, I don't care if it's Sea Chrome Coast, Glacial Fortress, or Hollowed Fountain, it's in my deck. Um, if those players, and those players exist, and they're very, they're like the good players at the tournaments, like most of the time, the like guys that are playing these decks that are doing well are good, and they're going to continue to do well with the deck. Uh, and if you just want to play deck that just smashes them, play this deck. This deck absolutely destroys them. Just It destroys blue-white and destroys the mirror match. Absolutely destroys them. I'll have a, um, like, bef- before FNM for this next week, like, you will have a sideboard strategy and, and an article about this deck. I, I, I don't know if it's going up Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but, like, before you play at FNM, you will have information about this deck on Star City Games. Sweet. Sounds good. And uh, right after yours goes up, my uh, Achievement Unlocked article will go up where I played this and see how many achievements I can unlock. <laughs> we need to make some achievements. The, the biggest one is Turn 3 Angel Serenity. That's by far the best. Putting three creatures your opponent controls under him on Turn 3. Yeah, that's that's definitely going in the list of achievements. Um, the other achievement is the... I think the best achievement is the, the March of the 1010s. Call it the March of the 1010s. Attacking with exactly ten powered creatures. Like, of course, the Crater Hub Behemoths is going to be bigger, but all your one ones are going to have to be ten ten. So you have to have exactly eight creatures in play before you cast a Crater Hub. <laughs> that seems a little more difficult. No, it's very easy. Most players can't interact with you game one. You can just literally pick and choose how many creatures you have in play. I'm so glad I'm recording this. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to make sure I really rub it in and hit you with ten tens next turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one of my achievements is to attack for 100 damage, so I would get both of them at once. Well, no, you, you're not at 100 damage because you only have nine creatures. You're actually you're attacking ah. you're attacking for 95 damage. Well, if you have 94, eight, get, yeah, that's that's a shame. Um, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Whatever. No, you, you you'll eventually have nine creatures because the crater hoof is the ninth creature. And he is going to get uh, plus nine plus nine, so he's fourteen. And everything else is ten, so it's just ninety-four. Right. Yeah, it's still pretty good, though. All right. And the other achievement is making your opponent read Memories Journey. <laughs> we got a reader, folks. Yeah, we got a reader. They're going to read that card. You need yeah. foreign language memory journey so that they really have to trust you on that one. All right. All right. So here's here's one. Uh, Todd and I actually were talking about the the rush, and you know, you know the rush that you just want to feel like you just want the excitement um, in some aspect of life. Yeah. You know, everyone has that, right? And he was talking about like he was talking about something stupid. He's like, you know, like when you have a cavern and 
you can resolve your throwing touch, but you just kind of want to, like, not use it for the rush to see if they have the counterspell. And I'm like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so we were playtesting this deck against Blue White, and I just knew he didn't have a counter in his hand. I 100% knew. So I just slammed it on the table, and I'm like, homunculus, crater hoof. <laughs> and he's like, you know, scoops him. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Homunculus. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like my favorite creature type. Like, literally, what creature? You could be a zombie without two legs and half your face, and being a homunculus would be worse. Like, the <laughs> worst creature in the game. It's like, you literally have no attack power, and you just die all the time. Like, what about beetles? Beetles? I'd rather be a beetle, man. They're, they have, like, they have. They have an exoskeleton, and they don't. No, no, not, not the insects. Beebles, you know, beebles? bouncing beebles from. From Urza's legacy? Yeah, but why would you want... Beebles look... They look like they're having fun. They're enjoying <laughs> their mayhem that they're causing in that person's office. I don't remember exactly what they're doing, but they, like, live in holes and they have a community. Homunculuses are like, all right, you're born. And they're like, what's my job? To die? And they're like, all right, I'll die then. And then they die. <laughs> and that's their whole existence on whatever planet they exist on. Oh, geez. My favorite is to beat someone with Goblin Rock Sled because it's Creature Rock Sled. I'll <laughs> <laughs> beat someone down with a Rock Sled. Come on, Travis. We all know that if you were going to go for that achievement, you would play the cavern and name Squirrel. No, that, that, would, that would just bring a tear to my come, eye. Come God. on, guys. We're being a little bit too cheeky here. Oh, oh, oh nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that was a corny joke. All right, maybe you can fight Louis. Maybe you can fight Louis. <laughs> Give me a one get stuck in my head. I'm coming after both. <laughs> yeah, that that's um that's something that I have done is well not I haven't done it, but that's something I felt like uh, when I was playing the Flores deck at F and M. And this is a spoiler for my article. I uh, flashed in uh, door door to nothingness end of turn with Alchemist Refuge. Wow. And then it's like, untap, kill you? That felt pretty good. Uh, you should, like, feel bad about yourself. Thank you over that. <laughs> yeah, you should totally feel bad about yourself. It's some, like, innocent guy, like, playing FNM, and he's got his, like, common deck, and he, like, needs to win the Pillar of Flame just to have four Pillar of Flames. And you're just like, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is what's going on. He had just tapped out for a 12-point Sphinx's Revelation. I'm like, Sure. <laughs> okay, he was a boomer. That's not really bad then. No, that's way better. You, why do you not start the story with, so my opponent's drawing nine? Yeah, he's just like, yeah, draw all of the cards. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're dead next time. I'm like, activate Alchemist Refuge. He goes, go ahead, cast your Thrag Tusk. Door to nothingness? What? And, all right. right. See, that's so much better. That's putting someone in their place. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. If it's, if it's the blue-white player, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, it's like, you, you're playing Daughter Nothingness? I'm like, sure looks like it, doesn't it? <laughs> Judge. By the way, <laughs> destroy target you, game three. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But yeah, that's, uh, that's why I started doing this article series, was for stuff like that, because you just get to play with crazy cards, and nobody ever knows what you're doing. And that's why I love this deck, because, like, not only is it good, but it has Summer Waltz Age, and, like, uh, there's... I have never really looked at Summer Waltz Age as a card, but I am assuming that most of my fan base is, like, hell, yeah, that card is awesome. It's in, like, my EDH deck, 
and I, like, played it once before. Like, the card just seems like something that, like, people have played before, and I just ignored it. So, like, I'm super pumped and jazzed that, like, I'm playing <laughs> a deck with a card that people are going to be like, you know what, you're right, that guy just doesn't die. Yeah, the, the problem I have is that when I sit down, if I go turn to Sumbo Wild Sage, instantly my opponent's eyes are going to roll because they know I'm playing something crazy. I did it with the when Travis Wu did that Green Summer deck with the Palladium Mirror. That was in it as well, the Sombol. That's funny because I played this deck at FNM this last weekend because it's like a local FNM. I didn't think that, like... So here's the problem that I have. And this is, like, it tears me apart because, like, I want to win the GP real bad, but I'm in love with this deck that I just wanted to play it. I needed to play it and see, like, what it was like in real life. I just wanted to play it so bad. I'm like, it's FNM. It won't spread, right? And I don't think it will. Not enough to, like, wear, like, you know, Sam Black Rights water, because that's the, the worst-case scenario, but a couple people on the East Coast know it exists. That's fine. Um, but, like, when I played it on turn two, all my opponent's eyes, like, lit up in fear. They're like, if he's <laughs> playing that, he's got to be doing something awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I am doing something awesome, buddy. Crater, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, God. Would you like to watch an episode of, like, Dexter? Because we have time. <laughs> Do you ever side them out? Like, do they ever come out game two? Uh, Summerall Sage? Yeah. Yes, um, they actually come out in a lot of, like, the cards that come out of this deck, let's just say the cards that don't get sideboarded out ever are Tracker's Instinct, Grizzly Selvage, Arbor Elf, Deathrite Shaman, and that's it. Everything else comes out in a different matchup. Like, literally the deck transitions multiple different times in different matchups. Um, and that's why I've been working really hard on the deck and why I really like it and why it's starting to function is I'm starting to have game plans in every matchup. Because, like, the reason I love the way it's designed or the, the biggest reason I like the deck is that there's only two cards on the sideboard that are only for one matchup. Other than that, cards are just, like, I'll bring in Thrag Tusk and Angel's Trinity in this matchup. I'll bring Angel's Trinity and Garrick in this matchup. I'll bring in Thrag Tusk and Garrick in this matchup. Um, I'll bring in Township, Lingering Souls, and Thrag Tusk in this matchup. I'll bring Lingering Souls and Garrick in this matchup. And other different cards are being boarded out. And it took a long time, and I'm not going to explain every single one because, like, there's just, like, eight different matchups. But the the key thing about it is in every matchup that does not use their graveyard, that doesn't run Thoughtscour and Bearer Rights, they're going to have, like, Moments Peace. Or not Moments Peace, sorry, Rest in Peace. Or Graft Digger's Cage. Or Ground Seal. Or Death Rite Purify the Grave. Purify the Grave. Yeah. They're going to have some kind of graveyard hate, and that's the only card they're going to bring in against me. And I am not a graveyard deck anymore. So every time I play, even though my game ones are good, but if my opponent is in the dark, my game twos are better, even though they have hate, because, like, you just look at it logically, I am boarding out and changing my deck into a, a dedicated game plan against their strategy that's going to try to win a little bit slower of a game, and they're bringing in ways to interact with something that's not in my deck anymore. So their deck is just worse, and my deck is just better. And uh, and it's pretty easy to say, oh, my opponent, like, I'm not going to be able to kill them with Crater Hoof on Barrow Roots anymore. I'll just leave a couple Crater Hoofs in, in the deck and just board in Thrag Tusks, because that card's good. And so I don't want a game one, because it, like, doesn't make my deck streamlined, but I want a game two, because I can't be a streamlined deck anymore. Yeah. Also, one other thing I just, I'd forgotten to ask earlier, no Grizzlebrand? What is wrong with you people and Windmores? I do not understand why someone needs to win a game twice in the same game. Like, I don't understand why that is. I am literally casting a card that deals up to, like, 500 damage, and you're like, yo, where's your Gristlebrand? 
Let's, let's draw <laughs> some cards, buddy. Let's get that moving. We got some life. Man, I'll throw Tusk and draw another seven. It doesn't matter. It's cool. We'll discard it on Barrel Rights and do it again next turn. Like, I don't get it. Like, I am playing the most win more card ever. Literally doesn't do anything until you have eight mana and guys in play. Like, that card is very restrictive. Crater Apima. And, but, but, like, everyone's like, like, what I'm saying is it's a joke because everyone, if my deck has black in it, someone's like, where's the, where's the crystal bread? And if it has red in it, they're like, like where's the bonfire? Where are these cards? And it's like, they're not that good. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, bonfire's been in my binder since, pretty much since rotation. Yeah, it's been in my binder since, I mean, I don't have a binder. I was going to make a binder joke, but it's been in my imaginary binder since the moment I opened it in a draft. Oh, because it's, it's just waiting for Stomping Ground and uh, the Boros Land, Sacred Foundry. No, it's waiting for nothing. It's not good. It's not a good magic card. It's a fine magic card. And, to be fair, it destroys my strategy. Like, this deck dies miserably to Bonfire. But for the most part, the card just isn't good. Like, it was, it, it, it was fine right away, but it's, it's the most expensive cyber card in the format. Yeah, you're telling me. It's still thirty thirty five dollars, so that that's crazy. Yeah, for a card that's actually literally seeing no play right now. I mean, I think Travis might have a point if it, when the red, white, and the red green lands come back, if you know Huntmaster starts seeing more play, and we get sort of the Naya aggro lists back on the go, then Bonfire becomes played again because it was good in those decks. I mean, but but it's only good for the mirrors, right? Like that's what we found last set when the Naya aggro and the red green aggro were around. You you like st- everyone started putting in their cyborgs and only boarded it in for the mirror matches or the other yeah. the other birds of paradise decks. It wasn't good against Delver. It wasn't good against any of the plays or her control decks. Like it wasn't even good against zombies. So like they only played it in those specific matchups. And so it, again, it's just going to be the same thing. People are going to main deck it right away, and then like, oh yeah, it doesn't interact with seventy five percent of the format. So then they're just going to throw it in the sideboard and just board it in when it's good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of the uh, the red sweepers now are just so situational. I mean, Blasphemous Act is probably the only one that isn't situational. Oh, God, that actually happened to me. I I was playing against his, like, blue-white-red deck, and I don't know what he was trying to do, but he had, an, he had a refuge in play. And I go, Crater of Pew, he's like, in response, Flash, Blasphemous Act. And I'm like, oh, God, good game. He's like, if you ever played poker, I just did the tap on the table. You can hear it. I just, like, I forgot. I know that's the rule of podcasts, never, not you know, put your knuckle on the table. But like I just I just had to do it. I'm like, good hand, nice, well played. Your yeah. deck sucks, but you got me. Good job. <laughs> I can't believe you called me on the turn there, but you got there somehow. That happened to me uh, this Friday. I I dropped from FNM to play draft because my deck was terrible, and uh, I got hooked out of Selesnya something awful. So I had to switch to the mill deck. Uh. Well, I had three chronic floodings and four doorkeepers, so it wasn't terrible. Okay, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but I lost to the to the nut high Rakdos deck when he went to turn one Cackler, turn two Frostburn Weird, turn three like swing in for three, and then uh, Cryptborn Horror. Uh, he just he basically had a six six Cryptborn Horror on turn four. Oh wow, jeez. So I had I just had no you, chance you, there. But this one guy, you like cut out right when you said Frostburn Weird, and then you just said like yeah. Cryptborn Horror. It's like. It, it's like a movie where they just like you miss five minutes of it because you went to the bathroom and then all of a sudden like the bad guy like shows up, like you didn't know he was the bad guy. It's like the cop buddy, and then all of a sudden they're like pointing guns at each other. Like, oh my god, I wish I didn't have a bladder right now. And <laughs> uh, 
but the, the, so the second round of this draft, I'm playing this guy, and I have him milled most of the way down. He's got like three cards left in his library. And I go, okay, uh, activate Doorkeeper, targeting you. He goes, Psychic Spiral. This is game one. What? And he's playing like Selesnia deck, Splashing Blue, and he has main deck Psychic Spiral. What? what where are you from again? <laughs> Dirtlesville, I think. What? I I was just like, and of course it beat me. Wait, did did you was that forced country? Was that forced pairings? Well, he he was O one as well. So yeah, I guess. Well, we now now we know why. (laughs) And and well, also, I mean, he might have just scouted. Well, possibly. I mean, I cited him dispel and cancel, but. Unfortunately, I didn't have them when he had his spiral. I mean, I'm like 100% sure he scouted. Like, there's no way he was just, like, splashing that card. Well, then the guy I played in round three had main deck Heroes Reunion. Yeah, but you were in you were in the O2 bracket. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you play. Like, I, I was in a Pro Tour top eight, and I was trying to play Bear, whatever, like, Raid Bombardments. I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> that deck was actually a deck, though. Well, not the version I had. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be PTQing this uh, this coming Saturday after today's Moto PTQ went. Uh, Armada Worm is not a fair magic card. Not many cards that have the red symbol are fair magic cards, my friend. I mean, I had quite a few creatures on board, so I double blocked his token because I knew he had a ton of proliferate, so I wanted to get rid of the token, and I was going to take five from the worm, and then he goes. Rootborn defenses. Well, yeah, that's like, that's the problem. You actually, you can't play around any of them. Like it's so hard to play around because, like, if you didn't block that, we could have been a pump spell. It could have been a rootborn defense. If you blocked in a different way, he could have Tristani's judgmented and make another. Like it's so brutal. Like what happens when you have a ton of resources? Like if you have like a fog plus a Tristani judgment plus a rootborn defense in hand and tokens in play, like he just can't lose. Yeah. Yeah, he has. I don't know how he managed to be X and two at that point. He must have just not seen the the good half of his deck. Well, but holy, there's cow. a lot. There's a lot of good decks out there. Like he could have lost a pack rat. Apparently, somebody had triple pack rat in the PT. Every single tournament, apparently, someone has triple pack rat. That's just like the rumor that goes every all around all the time. And we, well, I managed to beat pack rat with uh, Isaac Staticaster. That was that was a nice feat. Ooh. That's pretty good. Well, he act- he activated it on the turn he cast it, and I flashed in the static caster, killed the one in play, and then Dude, untapped and killed the one he made. That's pretty nice. Uh, a little trick I learned from watching Alex Hain and uh, at GP Philly. Oh, to get the extra card out of his hand. Yeah, he he did it to uh, Yuya, and like, if you can get Yuya with a trick like that, it's probably going to work against some random guy. Well, yeah, I mean. You're going to get him. Like, I mean, and you're okay being in the showdown for a while. Well, the problem is, is like. If Yuya had the read, what Hain did was absolutely horrifically terrible. Yeah. Because if Yuya, just for one card's value to fight the pack rat, like, if, like, you, if if Hain just paused for one second, played a landside go, and Yuya's like, there's a static caster in the draft. I have to play around static caster. And he just starts playing lands and saying go. Like, Hain can never cast another spell for the rest of the game, and Yuya wants that. So Yuya can just wait till he gets to six mana. Um... So, like, I mean, it, that that kind of play felt feels greedy to me. I haven't heard about that until now, but I definitely feel like I am not... I am one person... Well, maybe it's because, like, I have just been destroyed by Yuya every time I played him. 
Um, but I am not one to take a good player and try to play cute. I will, like, my rule is that the player is better than me, and he's observant, and he can, like, read me. I will literally just play the best ABC magic I can. That's all I will do. I will just play my game, and I will play the cards on the table, and I'll try to beat them because I know where my strengths are. I can I can outplay and I can outread a lot of magic players, but I will not, like, outplay at Yuya. That just won't happen. So, like, my best strength is to never get cute, never get greedy, literally just play the best magic I can, and just play high technical, high functioning magic, and just hope I get there. Like, and, you know, it's still magic. Like, it's high variance. I could try to play, I'll play him, and still the cards could just beat, beat him. Or I could, like, play way worse than him and still beat him, like I did in 2009 when I played against him. I, like, screwed up, and the only reason I beat him was because I screwed up. <laughs> Sometimes it works out that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, I, I would never get greedy against Yuya. That guy's just too good. Travis, you've played day two of a GP, right? Yes, I have. So from from the other side of the table, from a, a non pro perspective, have you how how do you feel when you're playing against someone who's probably better than you? Which to be with all due respect is probably a higher percentage than Brad feels is better than him. Uh, That's insulting. Yuya actually beat me day two of the last CP I made it, um, and I, it's not necessarily that I felt like he massively outplayed me. I mean, I could tell that he made some choices that I wouldn't have that were definitely optimized. But, I mean, I never go into any game thinking I'm, I'm worse than somebody. I just think about, you know, what are, how my cards are going to interact with theirs. The moment you start, you get that fear that someone's better than you, they've got you where they want you. Well, I mean, a, I'm not, I am not saying that I get a fear from this. I'm a very analytical and, and, and just look at the facts. I know he is a better magic player than me. So the, the conclusion to that is what do I have to do to get back that edge? Like, I am black and white. You can, you, like... I have went to the school of Ben Stark and come out a graduate. You play zero emotion. Uh, that's, like, what I try. The goals that I try to accomplish is to to 100% understand in my mind that there's no difference between a win and a loss, right? Like, there's no difference between these two things except for the, the, the right now, right here win. Outside of a win and loss, if you can actually, sep- or like, combine them and not separate them, what ends up happening is you just become very self-aware of what you're trying to accomplish, what your goals are, what you're achieving, if you're getting better, what what you can work on. Like, you find a lot more holes in your game. Like, when you lose, you don't go, God, if he just didn't draw that card or if he didn't have that rare, you go, God, why didn't I do this better? Like, I made this mistake. I did not need to give up that card. I did not need to block that. I could have taken that extra point of damage. Like, some of it, it you don't need like, obviously, like, it's not good to look at, like, because he drew this, because I drew this, I shouldn't have done that. But you can look back at that, especially in Constructed, and be like, all right, that is going to pop up more often. Like, my opponent is going to top deck a Garrick and draw five cards. Maybe I should start playing around this, not just look like, man, if he just didn't do that, I would have won. Look at it in that way of saying, like, this is a potential possibility in the future, and maybe there is a way to build my deck to stop this from happening or, you know, maybe try to make my game plan to where he, his three test dies. So I draw, he draws three instead of five and just like be self-aware of like the results orientated matches to then build from them. If that makes any sense. It is. Yeah. Very good. But all right, let's look at this from a slightly different angle as well. When you sit down, Brad, opposite someone who you're fairly sure you can outplay and so that you can read, 
do you ever play that to your advantage and sort of try and throw them off by telling them the plays they're going to make, for example? Oh, well, no. Is that I mean, that's... No, like, well, yeah, yes and no. Um, one thing that I will do, uh, I, will, I definitely play mind games, and um, I, I don't... And they're not bad ones, but they're, like, little things, like... They're, they're subconscious, like, if I know my opponent's going to kill my spell with, like, a pillar flame, like, sometimes, like, before he even does something, I'll just, like, remove it from the game. And yeah. just, like, take the card and remove it from the game. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I was going to pillar. I'm like, I know. Or, like, things like that, of that nature, there is, like, certain things I do, and I don't really want to get into. I don't want to, you know, give away no, all my course. tricks. But, like, I will play mind games with my opponents. And, like, but by far my favorite one was... Uh, so let's let's go back to 2010. Brad Nelson was a different person back then. He was winning a lot. He was not really self-aware of the magic community. He he was just playing magic. Uh, 2012 Brad is a lot different than 2010 Brad. 2010 Brad was literally just a focused, uh, tunnel-visioned person that didn't really have much to do outside of magic and just played magic. And, like, if I could trade places with 2010 Brad, I wouldn't. I love what I do now. I love making content, and I love enjoying my life and going and doing more things with more people. But 2010 Brad loved playing Magic, and he was doing very well, uh, and was getting lots of feature matches. And there was one feature match where uh, where I sat down, and my opponent was just like, we're nervous. We're like winning in for the Grand Prix Top 8. Now, I've been there quite a few times, and, and uh, my deck wasn't even that good, but we sit down, and he is just freaking out. He's so afraid to be in the feature match area. And he literally just wants to be anywhere else but here. <laughs> you can just tell, right? And he's just like, oh, man, like, do we have to be the feature? And I'm like, yeah, man, but you're going to be on camera. Isn't that cool? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, what if I make a mistake? And I'm like, it's all right. Only, like, 4,000 people are going to see it. Like, <laughs> it's okay. Like, it's not that many people. Only, like, 4,000. And he's like, oh, God. And I'm like, but don't worry. Only, like, 800 of them make comments. Like, so only 800 <laughs> people are going to talk about it. He's like, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm like, yeah, but, like, it's okay. Like, you know, you just have to win, and then you make top eight, and you can go to the pro tour. But if, if you lose, you don't. <laughs> it's all right, but it's all cool. Because, like, I'm, like, in the lead of the player of the year race, and, like, everyone knows that if you, you know, beat me, I'm just going to, like, take you out of here and, like, beat you up. So <laughs> you should just sign the match slip, and here's, like, $100. Okay, pretty much until the, like, the, the, the last, like, two minutes was fake. But, um, yeah. no, but, it, you know, it ends with me being, like, yeah, it's, like, 4,000 people, like, not that much. Um, but, yeah, he was just, like, getting completely nervous, and um, it was just terrible. And by, by, like, game three, he just, like, didn't want to be there anymore. And I could just see it. Like, he was he was behind on board, and I was just slowly gaining more board presence. More Like, my Trigons were getting me a bunch of advantages. And he just, like, you could just, like, we had no crowd people. And, like, I was giving him the stone face. Like, the, grr, I'm going to eat you because I'm a bear face. <laughs> and so you Brad Nelson Mind Sculptor. I mean, no. God, no. I've, I'm, I'm not on a level of a lot of people. I'm not on the level of Chapin or... Nasif or Yuya, um, mostly I'm I'm impenetrable of it too. Like that's my advantage is like I understand what they're doing. I don't know what level they're on, but I know they're trying to do something, so I can like dissect it. I'm very good at mind games. 
I'm very good at subtle mind games of just like somebody saying a sentence and trying to inception you. Like we're magic players and we love small edges and we love mind games. Like we play games all the time, right? Why might as well screw with each other's heads too. And I'm good at dissecting those, but I'm not that good at like implementing them. And I'm not really good at playing tactical magic against bad players. I am bad against bad players because I will think of them as a good player. And like if I'm behind on the board, and I'm like, well, I need him to invest his removal spell on this creature. So if I top deck a flyer, it's not going to die. And then I like throw two creatures in front of a guy so he uses a removal spell. I'm like, that's fine. I don't care if I get two for one. That's okay because like I wanted you to use the removal. And then they're like, yeah, but I have this other removal hand and now I'll kill your irrelevant creature that doesn't do anything. I'm like, why would you kill that creature? Because it doesn't do anything. And he's like, I don't know, I'm bad. And I'm like, gah. And then I don't draw the creature that flies, but now I need the creature that I gave away. I'm just like, man, like, so unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah, I've been there. Uh, What I've started doing at FNM, especially against the younger players, because I'm, I mean, I'm not the best player locally. I'm probably top 10, to be modest, but I'm not, I'm definitely not the best player. But because I'm the most visible and I've got, you know, the podcasting and the articles going, a lot of the younger players are sort of terrified to play against me. That's awesome. So, it, well, it, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't make them feel that way. I try to help them out, and especially at FNM, I'll let them take stuff back and, and help them out with plays and stuff. But one thing I've started doing is telling them what's in their hand. Because they make it so obvious when they're holding, like, removal, or they're holding a counterspell. You're just that like, guy. Yeah, I am that guy. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm just going to play my Thrag Tusk into your Syncopate, and uh, then next turn, uh, you won't have the Syncopate for this other card in my hand. Wow. And they, you, can, you can see them sitting there going, uh... You're a... Well, it's okay. You're a tool. <laughs> It's great because they have they've learned they've started to learn just to ignore me yeah. when I'm saying that stuff. So like when I go to FNM, I am just like absurd, like absolutely the most. Absurd. I am putting on a performance for the players because I will not go to FNM every week. I go to FNM when I just want that experience of hanging out with fans or friends or just a lot of people that are just enjoy magic and like. It's difficult for it to not be fans, because they might not be personal fans of me, but they know who I am, and interacting with me is kind of exciting, right? Like, and I, and I understand that that's what happens. Like, I can't go to an F&M and just no one knows who I am. Now, that would be sweet, right? I would love to go to a Magic tournament where I could just blend in and just be a dude. But I can't do that, but I'm fine with that. I've embraced that. And what I do is I just put on a performance, literally like I'm on camera, except I can swear, and I can, like, say <laughs> vulgar things... And and people are just like, whoa, I did not know this guy is like that. And, like, I just put on this, like, performance while I'm playing people. Like, like this last weekend I played FNM, and, like, my last round opponent, he's, like, up a game, and he's playing some really absurd deck. Like, it's not good at all. But he, I don't know how he's 3L, but he, like, got me with, like, Werewolf that flips that has double strike, and he raincored it. And then he, like, oh. he moon-misted me, and I'm like, what? Like, yeah. all right, I guess I just took, like, 14 out of nowhere. I, like, turn four, I'm dead can't even block it because he has Intimidate. Um, and so, like, then we go to game two, and he's and I'm just like, wow, that was fast. He's like, yeah, we're just having fun because it's F&M and we're enjoying ourselves. And then game two, he, like, got me to one with the same trick, but I won. And he just got all serious. He buckled up, right? And I'm like, were you lying to me? We were at F&M <laughs> and having fun, but now that you were even, now you're going to bottle up and we're going to play real magic? And he's like, man, I was so close to winning. I'm like, but you didn't. And you can still enjoy yourself, can't you? And, like, Uh-oh. some people are, like, coming over and, like, thinking, like, something's going on, but his friend is just lolling. Like, his friend is just 
going nuts over this. Just me destroying this guy for fun. Um, and it wasn't like I was being mean. I was just like, you know, like you said, we were having fun, but you lied to put me in a vulnerable state. Well, sir, let's play some magic. And I just destroy him with a turn three angel serenity. And then, like, I get the pillar flame. And because I had so much fun, I just, like, gave it to him. Because, like, what do I? What am I going to do with the foil? Um, he was like, he just really wanted the pillar of flame. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted the packs. Uh, so I just gave him the pillar. It was a fun match. I, I enjoyed it. But, like, F&M is an experience. I, I've done that. So I've, I've conceded to kids. You need to put on okay. a costume. Okay. What was that? You need to put on a costume and drive out of state and go to an FM and crush it. And then at the very end, stand up and remove the costume and dramatically reveal that you are Brad Nelson. <laughs> and you know what's the best is that would work. Because, like, sometimes mad people come into magic shops and they are just effing weird. And if yep. I just walked in in a scream mask and I'm like, I would like to play magic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, "All right, dude. Like, Art, is that a is the land box? <laughs> yeah, like, is this is this a knife? Is that like knife real?" And, and I'd just be like, "No." And then they're like, "All right, cool. You can play magic. Just don't rip any children tonight." <laughs> and you're like, "I won't." Um, but yeah, and then like at the end, I just like, "Haha, I'm the freak." And then people would be like, "Yeah, it's." It'd be way less weird if the guy just dressed like this. It's just weird that you drove all the way here to do this. Like, don't you have a life? Like, I have respect for you. I thought you were cool. Like, now I'm not going to watch any of your stuff anymore because you're just, like, some loser. Well, see, that's what they yeah, would but- say after the first week. But when you do it next week at a different store and the week after at a different store, it becomes an urban legend. And then at every <laughs> FM across the country, everyone has to think, am I playing Brad Nelson? What so like multiple people do like, Nelson in disguise? Multiple people just start wearing these costumes, and it just turns into like the what that movie called uh, the fifth of November movie. Uh, v of Vendetta. Yeah, everyone just starts wearing these like costumes all over the place. That was if you look on my Facebook from the uh, from our provincials, a guy showed up in a penguin suit and played provincials. Wow! I wish I was. Joking. I mean, I went to a tournament and wore a dress, right? Yeah, but at least that's human clothing. This is a penguin. Suit. Sure. <laughs> and he didn't lose a bet. <laughs> Don't judge his lifestyle, Chris. <laughs> it, it's funny that you say that, because like, even locally you get that reaction. Locally, nobody really cares that I'm on a podcast. I mean, we get a fair few listeners. Obviously, he's nowhere near the sort of following that you have. But when I travel, like when I'm at uh, a GP, for example, I always try and play the Friday night public event just to uh, to get some magic in, because it's, it's probably the only magic I'm going to play all weekend. And, uh, for example, I was at GP Vancouver earlier this year, and uh, I was playing in the side event with uh, sort of a blue-white Vensa Stonehorn deck. And I had like 12 people gathered around my match, and they're all like, I love your show. You're, you're that guy from Horde of Notions, right? I'm like, yeah. But that never happens here. Well, so yeah. I, I, I can sort of know what you mean? Well, I mean, it happens here because I'm not from here, right? So, like, the, like the F&M crowd has only interacted with me, like, twice now. But, sure. like, back back in North Dakota, like, at now, like, the, the crews have changed since I didn't live there for two years. But, like, during the middle of 2010, I'd still hang out at my local card shop. And they were just, like, all my buddies. And, like, it was just, like, cool that I was, like, doing this. So they're all, like, super cool, stoked, and they want to see the trophies and stuff. But for the most part, like... 
Like, I would literally never get any exposure that I did at normal tournaments, like signing autographs, pictures, things like that. That just would never happen. And I loved playing Magic there because it was just, like, the dudes I played with for years. So I loved having yeah. in there. But once I moved, I just couldn't get that anymore. I'd, like, go to a tournament, and people are just like, gulp, it's Brad Nelson. Yeah, guess I scooped that. Yeah, <laughs> and, like... It's honored everywhere except in his hometown. I think that's what? in the book. What was that? A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown. Yeah, exactly. It, it's definitely like that. And and uh, but now, I mean, I'm going to go back, and the, the player base has changed. I mean, I'm going to center around my friends because I'm going back for New Year's. I'm going for Christmas with the family and New Year's with my friends in North Dakota. I, I don't want to go back. It's like zero degrees there. <laughs> I can't. I'm not looking forward to it. Any chance you hit up GP Toronto? <laughs> no. Aww. Nah, dude, like, I don't, like, the thing about professional magic that gets me right now, uh, and this is, like, something that just, it, it's fine, it's it's where it's at, right, but, like, they're functionally, the t- pro tours are too small and too exclusive, and, like, I'm not even queued for the next pro tour, and that's my own fault, because I did not go to Grand Prix in 2011, I just didn't go to any, and at the beginning of 2012, I skipped eight of nine, and I missed gold by two points. Um, and I skipped, like, all, all the tournaments. But, like, they're so exclusive, and they only give top four, and Grand Prix are just getting bigger. Like, the formula of Magic is, like, awesome for everyone that's not trying to reach the dream. But, like, the dream just isn't there. Like, it's so impossible to reach. You have to top four a GP, not top eight it. They're, like, mm-hmm. 800 more people. It's harder to get your buys. Um, the formats are more high variance. Like, it is just impossible to qualify for the Pro Tour and stay on it because you need 30 of these damn points. So if you don't get to qualify, if you don't play on the Pro Tours, you're not going to get the points. Like, I have, like, 10 points and you need 30, and we're only a third through the season, and I know there's a 0% chance that I'm going to get there. Well, like, 5%. Like, I need to win a PTQ to go to the Pro Tour and then do well at both Pro Tours to get enough points, and they're, you know, they're doing the, you know, RTGR, or the rich TRGR, yeah. They're doing TRGR right now with, like, the players' championships, like yeah, you you just platinum already. Yeah, yeah. They they give away. Well, to be fair, he took second in Pro Tour too. Um, yeah. but yeah, they're like they give away like how many points? Like 50, 60 pro points that weekend. Like something crazy. It was a pro point per win. Basically. Yeah, and there was like sixteen matches or something. I don't know, but like. It's pretty absurd, like, I mean, but that's the formula. That's what they want to accomplish. They want to keep the big names on the Pro Tour, and they want everything to flow a little bit differently. And that's cool, because then you just get a million Cinderella stories. That's awesome. I mean, you could just win GP Charleston, then you'll be on the tour. Well, I'm going to, because my deck is awesome. Well, there you go. Yeah, I want to win again. Like, that's what I'm going to do, because I'm, this deck is awesome. Just leave GP Charleston a crater. With your hoop. I, 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 I get what you're saying. <laughs> With only a few souls lingering around. Yes. Uh, I, I, I actually like Summer World Sages flavor text, which is you can fo- you can face any danger when all of nature is on your side. It's like <laughs> I just have to like weird. spin that into something. It's a shame that Jaya Ballard doesn't ha- appear on flavor text anymore. She had the best flavor text of anyone ever. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know any of hers. She was like uh, on Incinerate. She goes, "Does anybody want some toast?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was, 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 like, was it, everything dies to fire. 
No, she, she was uh, she was the one who said, "Of course, you should fight fire with fire. You should fight everything with fire." <laughs> those are good. Yeah, I like those. And then I'm guessing that when she says this and somebody doesn't laugh, she just incinerates them. I'm hoping. Yeah, she's like, laugh at my jokes, buddy. <laughs> You're dead. She she was one of the legendary spell shapers that if they were printed now would 99% be uh, Planeswalker. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, they all had three abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah, she's pretty much Chandra before Chandra was cool. Was Chandra ever No, cool? Chandra's like, why can't we have Jay Beller? Because, like, none of the Chandras are good. Like, Red Planeswalkers are tough to print. I know that. I understand that Red Planeswalkers are just, like, the hardest to print, but come on. Like, just put Shock on a plus one and just do it. We'll see Koth what happens. Was good. I mean, the Koth did not see that much play. No, he was he was in Mono Red, and he, Big Red kind of saw some play for a while, but other than that... The creatures are I mean, too big right now. I want a four mana. I want, like, Chandra, but instead of one damage, I want it two. I just think that's fine. Cards are too good anyway. Just give it to Shock. Well, you never know what Gideon might be in Gatecrash. Oh, yeah, because it's Boros. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, who knows? Like, I, I don't know. I don't speculate on what cards do. I just kind of, like, read them and say if I like them or not. But, like, I think Gideon as a Boros card is going to be pretty sweet. What do you think of Vraska, by the way? Have you tried brewing with her at all? Uh, she was in one of the versions of this deck, actually. One of the, or, like, yes, I was playing with that card yesterday. In the main or in Cyborg. the board? Okay. Vraska is fine. It's very, uh, like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, it only has, like, a couple reasons to be played, and they have to be very, so specific. Like, they have to be in a deck that they can't interact with Vraska, but you need to interact with the card that they have. Like, it's only good if you are killing what you need to kill, and they can't kill the Braska. So it's, like, too specific of a, cor- a corner cases to want to play with her. But, um, like, I did think I, I wanted that option, but then I found Garrick, and Garrick is just better at it. Yeah. Well, the deck I've been playing around, and we, uh, we brewed this on the last show, it's using all sorts of synergies with, like, Garrick... Uh, Desecration Demon, Tragic Slip. So you're basically, the, the, your opponent is sacrificing creatures some way or another, which obviously makes Raska better. You've got stuff in your hand that uh, triggers off Morbid. Also, Reaper from the Abyss is really good in that deck. <laughs> um, but if you can drop her and then mutilate, she's going to ultimate. Oh, yeah, I mean, but like... The problem with that is, like, is that what you need out of a game? That's what you have to ask yourself. If you mutilate, is the best thing to do is Varaska? Like, is it not just better to, like, play anything else? You know, like, you have to you have to ask yourself these questions. Like, is it is Varaska going to be better or worse than just a Thrag Tusk? You know? Like, yeah. even if she ultimates, like, it's only cool factor. Now, and that's the that's the disconnect for me is, like, I'm really excited about this deck, but, like, all these. The reason I'm excited is because like these are the cards. I, it's not that these are the cards I want to play with. This is the strategy I want to accomplish wins with, and this is just happens to be fun cards to play with. But I always want to play the best card. Like unless it's doing not doing the thing that I want to be doing in the format, I'm not going to play it just because it's cool. And that's the problem with me. That's like the jadedness of playing Magic for ten years, and and trying to play at the highest levels because. I lose the fun factor, and the things that are fun are when they're fun and good, and that's 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 why like 
I love this deck so much, and, like, I want a lot of people to play it. And, like, I even wanted to write the article before the tournament, but I know, like, I just have to, I have to give myself the chance to win the tournament, even though the deck yeah. is so super cool. Because, like, if I wrote about this and put it on the website, like, today, like, this deck would be all over the place by this weekend, I guarantee it, because it's just so good. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, pe- there are people who are just going to build the deck and play it because you wrote about it anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's because it's like playing cards that people want to play with, like Crater of Behemoth, Summerworld Sage, Garrick Relentless. Like, these are cards that people like and enjoy playing with, but they just don't have a home. And, and, the, and the best thing about this deck, and this isn't the home of Reg, this is just working and why I love the deck, is it's very tuned and it's very uh, well thought out. And, like, the cyber strategies are unique and no one's prepared for them. And, like, you know, there's no one, no one, before they find out, going to think that I'm boarding Garrick in against them when they're playing Reanimator, right? Like, who would think that Garrick Relentless is the card that they want after Cyborg against their Reanimator strategy? Yeah. Like, no one's going to think that. Uh, but that's the best card, that's the best strategy I found to beat them. And of course, against Reanimator, you don't take out the Unburial Rites, right? No, I, I get Deathrite Shaman advantage and I use yeah. Unburial Rites. Yeah, exactly. All right, just making sure I have this ready because there's a lot of people playing Reanimator. Oh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, just, just by the time this goes up, oh, yeah, it'll be a couple days before this goes up uh, on the website. Yeah. But, uh, man, like thinking back to the future, like I do that so much when I do podcasts or make videos. It's like, all right, like I did, a, I did a de- uh, playtest video with Todd with this deck, and I was like, "All right, so hopefully I won the tournament two days ago, but if I didn't, <laughs> here's a sweet deck." <laughs> it's like time travel, you're a wizard. Oh yeah, I, oh yeah, I said something. Yeah, there, there's, uh, I played Charles Gindy pretty soon. I think it goes up. I think it went up last week, and uh, I watched the skit already at the end. If if anyone didn't watch the end of the credits, they should go back and watch them. It's really funny. <laughs> I think they need to get you on more news innings, personally. Oh, are you saying that I might be funnier than Mr. Bressler? Go on. I don't Go. I don't know about funnier, but you guys certainly interact well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm doing some of the sketches. Uh, I'm definitely in some of his uh, sketches for the show, and... Uh, Pretty much filming a ton, man. I'm up and filming all the time up in Star City. So we next week we're filming some some uh, sweet ones. I'm, I can't spoil them, but they're pretty funny. I even approve of them. Um, <laughs> I did not approve of the drunk one. I did not think that was appropriate or funny, but you know I did it anyway because they they made me. And <laughs> 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 no, I mean. I did it because, like, I thought, you know, fine, I'll see what they think about it. But I didn't really like it because, like, I'm not a good actor. Like, you can't make me act. You can make me talk excited about magic cards, though. <laughs> so, hopefully, Ruben is coming to GP Toronto. All right. Be- because I've got a standing agreement with him that if we're ever in the same city, we're going to hit up an open mic club because we both do stand-up. Oh, Cool. So I'm really hoping he can make it. And I was hoping you'd hide in the back seat and come up, too. It would be sweet. Uh, well, if we flew, maybe. I mean, it depends on flights and depends when, and I don't even know when, like, when is it? Dece- December 8th. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, there's no way. It's, oh. this, it's, this, it's this December. when we're. I, so I'm going home for the holidays for, like, two straight weeks, and we're filming yeah. a bunch to just make sure we're caught up. But so then, then the invitational is the week after that I want to prepare for. Yeah. That's in L.A., right? Yeah. yeah, cool. 
So before we move on to the random moment of geekery, do you have any new stories for us, Brad? New stories? I need to know more of what kind of thing to say. I don't know. You got me on the pressure. I'm so pressured right now. Uh, perhaps amusing or somewhat scurrilous story. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> Give me a second. Um. Um. I don't know. I'm thinking of events now, and I'm thinking of funny stories. Oh, I've got one. I've got. It's it's gross though. That's the best time. All right, so. We're going to Cincinnati. I don't know. It's the open that Todd won with the blue-white red deck I built. I think it's Cincinnati. So we go in there, and, like, that morning, that Friday morning, I wake up, and, like, my arm just hurts, right? Um, And it's, like, swelling, like, the underarm. It's just like, God, this is annoying. I don't know what this is, like, an ingrown hair or something. And just, like, it hurts. It's, like, inflammation, like, setting in. and But we just start leaving. It keeps hurting, and throughout the tournament, it's, like, annoying me, and it's, like, I just think it's going to go away or something. And by like Sunday night, I look at it like I've been I've been keeping an eye on it. But Sunday night, like the actual like blister started, and it was the most disgusting thing ever. Like I would I have pictures and I would give you pictures, but I do not want all of your your uh, viewers to vomit on their computers and then like you know ask you to pay for all the computers with like vomit cleaning and like it's, it's disgusting, right? And I'm just like I go to the ER. I'm like. I go to Jerry and Todd, I'm like, guys, we have to stay in town. I have to go to the yard tomorrow morning. Like, there's no way that I should not seek immediate medical attention. So, well, so we go to a walking clinic, and, like, the nurse just, like, backs up when she sees it, and she's like, let me go get the doctor. And the doctor comes in, and the doctor's like, oh, wow, I've never seen something this infected. And I was just like, jeez, I mean, I know you're a walking clinic, but, like, damn, like, you know, what would break it to me easier, like... Yeah. And they send me the ER, and the ER takes a look, and, like, they, they have to have a doctor, you know, lance it. But uh, so the the nurse sees it, and she, like, steps back. She's like, Nancy, Nancy, you have to come in here and see this because I'm in the South. And and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm the freak show of the week. And they look at it, and they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, why are you stepping away? And they're like, it's going to pop any minute. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. And the doctor finally lances it, and it was it didn't hurt at all. But, like, there was just huge hole in my arm. Like, I don't know what kind of infection. This set in fast, though. And, like, there's just, like, this, like, hole. Like, you know, like, frozen ice cream? Yeah. Are, are, are you happy you asked me if there's anything cool? This is fantastic. <laughs> okay, you know, like, frozen ice cream? Like, really hard ice cream that you, like, you have to attack instead of eat? Yeah. And you know how you, like, take the spoon and you jab it in the middle, like, a stabbing motion, and you <laughs> rotate the ice cream until you get this, yeah. like, hole to come out? That that kind of like looks like roots, you know. It's just like it's like a it's like a triangle ish. It's like a cone, but it's like straight down. That's exactly how much was gone in my arm. It was just like this huge like hole that looked like the ice cream of like when I ate frozen ice cream. And I was just like, oh my god. And he's like, yeah, I wouldn't look at that if I were you. And I'm like, it's too late. And I'm like, am I gonna be okay? And he's like, yeah, of course. And so, um, so then. Uh, they give me prescriptions to go pick up, and they're like, here, take this uh, Vicodin and these two antibiotics. And I'm like, well, what is, like, um, all right, I'll take Vicodin. I've tried Hydros before because I had Hydros when I got a kidney stone, which I'm getting old, and that sucks, kidney stone. That that was the worst. But I had Hydros then, and they just messed me up. I, I, I would rather take the pain than be on the Hydros. And the nurse said nothing. She kind of gave me a weird look, and I didn't know why she gave me a weird look, because Vicodins are Hydros. 
They're the same yep. goddamn pill. And they didn't tell me this. So then all of a sudden I'm loopy again and like extremely going crazy. And now Todd and Jerry not only had to sit in a hospital um, for like five hours, but now they have to deal with me like acting like a child because I am so high. Just absolutely ridiculously high. And so like I put like clothes that I can sleep in and just go and lay down in the back seat. And like I like couldn't find my shoes. And so, like, I would get out, and I'd want, like, ice cream, because I'm just, like, high on these hydros because of the pain on the arm. And, like, I didn't have any money, and, like, Jerry had to give me everything, and I was, like, laughing because it was funny that he had to give me everything, so I started calling him Daddy. Because, like, he, he, to, he was like, here's money, here's money for your ice cream, here's a cigarette, like, I don't know where my shoes are. Like, I'm in PJs, a T-shirt, and socks walking into stores. Because I lost my shit. South like that, huh? You'll fit right in in the south like that. Yeah, and the entire time I was just hopped up on hydros, and then I got home and it was like completely um, like like all this tissue came back and it was so cool. Like I that was like a really like awesome moment in my life where I just saw like like this like it like this quarter inch or this cute like cubical inch uh, of like tissue form back, and I was just like like I didn't know our body could like heal that fast. I didn't know I could get hurt that fast either. But everything was fine, and I went to the Pro Tour, and, and I didn't die. Um, oh, 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 oh. Add to the story. So I'm still taking these two antibiotics, right? And I have to take them for 10 days. But I go to San Jose, and I accidentally take the hydros of one of the antibiotics with me. And I just start coughing hydros on accident. Like, I'm not kidding. This is serious. Like, any troll out there is going to be like, he was just making an excuse to do hydros. He's a drug addict. No, I literally didn't know I was on my pain medication in the middle of the tournament. That I went 9-1 in. And I was, like, the the horse for the team. And I was playing out of my ass. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't know it. I felt weird the whole day. I was like, God, I'm hungry. And, like, I'm, like, super, like, not focused. And I need to eat because I'm not focused got to focus, got to be in the moment. And then, like, I'd play around. I'm like, God, I'm hungry again. Because, like, my body was trying to, because I was thinking so much, I was counteracting it, so I think I was just getting hungry. I don't know. But I, like, every round, I just was, like, wanting to eat something. And I usually, like, when I'm in the moment, I don't want to eat. It's the exact opposite when I'm trying to play Magic. I, like, need to eat some protein bar. I'll just crash at 7 p.m. But, yeah, like, I came home, and I was, like, looking for my bottle of, um, my bottle of Hydro's to throw away because, like, I actually don't like having, like, things like that around. And uh, I hate, I hate, I hated them. Like, when they gave them to me, I used them because I was hurting. But, like, I didn't like them the first time I used them. But, like, then I really, I don't have them anymore. I'm like, where are they, you know? Like, I can't find them. And then I see this pill from Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's, like, the one of the antibiotics. I'm like, oh, crap, because, like, I just lucked out and I had the right antibiotic on me, right? Like, if I took the wrong one, the infection might have killed me. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. I, would, I know when I was in uh, in Montreal a little while ago, I had a massive infection in my arm. They weren't sure if it was the flesh-eating virus or something less serious, which is scary enough when the doctors all speak the same language as you. <laughs> I mean, I speak French, but medical d vocabulary wasn't exactly on the courses that I took. Yeah. So I was sitting there in the hospital, and they're saying things like flesh-eating virus and broken English. I'm like, uh. Um, that <laughs> kills me, right? You are like so, Well, yeah, so I was kind of terrified. 
Awesome. Let's uh, let's do a random moment of geekery then. Travis, do you have one for us? Yes, I do. On Twitter, there's a hashtag, uh, Vin Diesel Sunday. All one word. Um, basically, it's just people making up quotes that Vin Diesel would probably have said. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it sounds kind of lame, but go look it up. Oh, dude, nothing's lame on the Internet because we all are bored and we need to be entertained. Like, the bar is set so low that I could just start making fart jokes on Twitter and people are like, that is just pure comic gold. It's genius. That's fart pretty jokes sweet. are pure comic gold. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yes, Vin Diesel Sunday. Um, it, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of them now and I don't know. I'm not convinced, but I will take your word for it. So hashtag Vin Diesel Sunday. <laughs> okay. Do you have a moment of geekery, Brad? Well, probably, yeah, I don't know if it's that, like, what, like, yeah, it's, if it's geeky and I like it, then I can talk about it, right? Is that what this yeah, is? Cool. All right. Yeah. So last week was the StarCraft MLG tournament, like the eSports MLG, and I watched all of the coverage with a notepad, and I was like, yeah, this is this is what I like. This is what I want to do with Star like Star City Games coverage. I like this. Oop, don't like this. And I just sat there researching StarCraft because now I play StarCraft. Like I used to not play it, and now I play the game and I'm watching this and it's like I'm in, in love with it. Like I am a StarCraft fan. Like Bomber is the coolest person on the planet. Like <laughs> he's a StarCraft player, but uh, like I'm getting into this stuff and like watching these players and learning these players, and I'm geeking out about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, people do this for me. That's kind of cool. But I was just, like, researching the, 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 the production, and it's just so much fun. And, like, I just, like, I just love esports. Like, it's just, like, I geek out about them all the time. I talk about them all the time. Like, I love StarCraft coverage. I want Magic to, like, transcend to be something like that. Um, and, like, now I'm, like, super passionate and trying to do whatever I can to help create like something as amazing because it's just the coolest. Did you do you play League of Legends as well? I used to, but I hate micro management games. Like now, StarCraft is micro and macro, but I don't like just mono micro. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to get into League of Legends. I was playing it the other night. I guess this will do for my moment of geekery as well. And uh, I've, I start off with Master Yi because he's pretty easy. And somehow I went eight four and twenty two <laughs> in a five play game because <laughs> it just the way that the hits were working out. Every I was getting last hit by my teammates all the time, yeah. so ended up with twenty two assists. We beat we won in a four on five game because one of our guys just disconnected oh, nice. about three minutes in. So it was a really good game. We had great teamwork. I really enjoyed it. And it's every time that happens, I get more and more hooked on the game. Yeah, and then you end up, you know, getting stuck in bottom as a melee character, facing off against two range guys and going zero and ten and losing. And just, anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> but my real moment of geekery, I just put the uh, the video there in the Skype window for people to check out uh, later if they want. It'll be in the show notes as well. It's another Gangnam Style parody, I'm afraid. I have not yet seen one Gangnam Style parody. Oh man! You just I'm... open doors, box Brad, step away. <laughs> I, I've not seen a single one. You want to see the Ghostbusters one. That's probably the best. I've heard about a lot of them. I'm, if it is on YouTube and it does not involve cats and every kind of cat, then I'm not going to really care about it. 
I love cats. I love, I love it. We're kind of cats. No, I mean, you could probably get Ruben and, and just show him this one. This is Mortal Kombat versus Gangnam Style. <laughs> oh, man. We just do not have enough things to do. I'm not going to argue I know, that. It's, just, it's amazing. It's like, do you know people like 400 years ago spent most of their time surviving? I know. Right? It's so horrible, man. It's like if we go to work and we have a bad day and we're not very productive, we just do it again the next day. But if if these people went out and they're like, oh, I didn't kill a saber tooth today, so we're just going to be hungry tonight. Or, you know, the saber tooth killed me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, yeah, but on the bright side, I got this Gagnum style done. Do you want to see? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't like memes, but I definitely love the, like, first world problem meme girl. Like, the one that, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, hates her life because, like, like it's kind of like, I don't get to watch my show because I ran into a friend on the bus. It's like, yeah, you have, you have a horrible life. I can't get the Bluetooth to work to link my iPad to my computer. And I have to use a cord. Uh, ah. well. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Travis, you got any shout-outs? Um, I'd like to shout-out to Kirk Dubay. He was at GP Chicago this weekend and made day two with Living End. Ooh. Now, there's a deck you have to be brave to play when everybody is afraid of eggs and running, like, infinite graveyard hate. Oh, yeah. He foiled it out, and it cost him, like, 30 bucks. <laughs> Jeez. That's terrible. I mean, I was foiling out eggs, and Travis, you can attest to this. I've been foiling out eggs since way before the protocol. Oh, yeah. And it's actually, like, tripled in value now. Yeah, I know. It's so good. Like, I'm sitting there on the four pre, uh, pre-release Lotus Bloom foils. They look pretty sweet, and people are already offering me, like, 20 bucks for them. Like, nope. If I ever play a GP, I'm playing it. <laughs> Any others? Uh, that's it for me this week. Brad, anyone you want to shout I out? I got a shout out to my best buddy, JVL. Uh, one funny thing that happened this week is we haven't, I haven't talked to JVL in a couple weeks now, and probably like three. And so we, he just started playing a little bit more Magic and Standard. So we were like, we've been talking a lot this week, and we're talking about Magic, my deck, his deck, like just about like the format, life, we're catching up on life. And we spent like an hour talking on Tuesday and an hour talking on Wednesday. And both Tuesday and Wednesday night, I was hanging out with Todd, and Todd's like, you're in a really good mood today. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, feeling really good. And then I realized, like, because I talked to Jake. Like, I actually got to talk to, like, my best friend, like, two times this week. And, like, you know, because of it, I'm, like, in this super happy, bubbling mood. And so I've just been in a really good mood all week. And it's mostly because I've talked to a lot of family members. But most importantly, like, just getting to, like, chit-chat with my buddy. And, like, I, I forget about the, like, emotional, like, connections people have in life. And and getting to actually just spend some time with a quality friend, even if it's on the phone for an hour, was like my favorite part of the week. Yeah, that's that's awesome. He was pretty good on coverage this weekend too. Yeah, I liked I liked watching it. I I mean I didn't like the form. I'm not a big fan of the format. It's got too many flaws. We won't get into that. You guys will have to wait until the third time I'm back on the show. Wink, wink. Bring me back. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's in question. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, because I absolutely love modern. I'd love to argue it with you. That's fine, and I will destroy every single thing you say. I think modern has a lot of potential to be a great No, d- No, we don't need a moderator. It's just Travis and me right now. <laughs> we're we're going to Thunderdome. No, we are going to the Gangnam Style Dome. Well, I can't This needs to be video. Boy cannot dance. 
They could. It's not a dance that they do. I don't know what it is. It's like a march. Yeah, riding we can do it. You ever played DDR? It totally reminds me of DDR. <laughs> I've played against PV DDR. See what I did there? I, d- I did, and, 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 and right here. <laughs> he deserves one of those. Slow clap. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I was waiting to have you back on, and uh, this absolute last thing is getting late. I will um, sign an autograph, yes. Oh, really? <laughs> this, is, this is awkward. Uh, <laughs> um, no, the week after I was on uh, Trainwreck Tuesday with the yes. Pure Steel Paladin deck, the guy who cast Wildfire with a Thrag Tusk in play against you, yeah. he is also from here. He's one of my locals. Oh, awesome. Um, that's so cool. Um, yeah, like... Like, bringing up Trainwreck, obviously, like, there's a question to ask, or the question I should state is, like, I haven't been doing it for a little bit. Like, I was focusing on the Pro Tour, and then, like, the last couple weeks, I have, like, for the one thing that I found, there's some flaws with Trainwreck, and I don't know how to solve them. Uh, One of the big problems with Trainwreck Tuesday is organizing all the games with players, making sure that they're, like, multiple times, like, people would back out on me. Um, I, I I have no control over the show at all. So it's like I, I have five people signed up, and then, like, the fourth person just is a no-show, or, like, a, a sixth person is like, you know, I'm supposed to be on the show, or I message you, and I'm like, oh, and I, I didn't have you, but now, like, this guy might not show up, so I should have you on it. Like, it became just, just this, like, constant, like, not really knowing what's going to happen, and I don't like that. And um, I want to find a way to do the show where I am not under the pressure of organizing with other people. Now, if I have to do more work prior to the show to, to, to pull it off, I'm fine with that. But I don't exactly know what I want to do. Um, another thing is I just got back, and I've got, like, these ridiculous projects. Not only am I catching up on some work with Star City, just so I can go do the holidays um, and spend time with family. I've been, like, constantly getting work done and working, for the, working on the tournament and just going in every day to film. But I just, like don't know what to do with the show and I need I need ideas and I need a different formula because that formula just doesn't work because some some weeks no one messaged me and or like it was just like oh no one wants to do this one I just don't have any bodies and uh, it just didn't really work out so like maybe there's just like the same structure every week but that's kind of boring also um, like creativity sometimes sucks for trying to build a deck like, all in all like I, I executed really quickly without thinking it through, and there's a lot of holes and problems in the whole thing. And it's also not the product that – it's a fun product, but, like, what I really want to start trying to do, and that's why I'm going to do that, like, the, the test run of the um, breaking down how to develop a deck, how to design and develop a deck, going up on Star City that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I want to start doing a lot of things like that, and I wouldn't mind doing streaming like that, but I just don't know how to execute it and how much time it's going to take and how frequent, but I don't want to just stream me playing Magic. I think it's, like, boring. I feel I feel like the game has enough depth that isn't, just, isn't brought up enough that that's what I want to try accomplishing, and once I get caught up and get back on track, that's the stuff that I kind of want to do. I still want to do Trainwreck, but... It needs a new formula. So if, ever, if anyone has an idea, I mean, we still have trainwrecktuesday at gmail.com. Please send me any suggestions uh, of a new formula of how to approach the show. But for right now, I, I, I have no idea what to do with it. Okay, so there you have it, listeners. Help Brad out. 
Trainwreck Tuesday was a ton of fun. I mean, I, I love it. it, and it's not like I don't like it, and people still ask me about it, and it breaks my heart to, like, start something and stop it. Um, I stopped it just for the Pro Tour, and I haven't gotten back in the last three weeks just because of traveling and, and working, and just one week I was sick, one week I was traveling, and one week I was just like, well, I'm just tired. And and I should do it, but, like, I I need to figure it out. I'm waiting, going through the holidays, and I'm catching up, and then I want to just try to figure out a new formula, and then then I'll start doing it again. But I want it to be more organized than I, than when I threw it out the gates right away. Yeah. All right, well, let's hope it uh, picks up. I do have a couple of shout-outs I want to give. Uh, Shout-out to uh, MTG Brainstorm, Tyrone. His podcast is hilarious. It's just him talking over hip-hop music, but he has one of those voices. You could just listen to that guy read the phone book, and it would be entertaining. Huh. Also, a shout-out to uh, The Gin, Nick Bonham, who's back doing podcasts again. That man is the personification of professionalism. Uh, his podcast production values are above and beyond anything anyone else is doing. Uh, if you need a podcast to listen to after you finish with this one, go download that guy. He's amazing. And he's got another one of those voices. He sounds like he should be doing the American Top 40. He's just one of those voices. Uh, big thanks to you, Brad, for joining us again. You know you're always welcome. Well, thank you very much. I will love to come back. Uh, once people are, you know, you know, not sick of me anymore, and, oh, my God, I'm sorry for those noises. <laughs> not likely to happen. Um, Maybe we'll have back also, GP champion Brad Nelson. GP uh, Charlotte champion Brad Nelson. Okay, yeah, just Charlotte, because I'm already GP champion, but I'm not the b- highest player champion anymore in the U.S. That That made me sad. Because DC was right. the highest until Philly. Yeah, Philly was huge. Yeah, it was just like 30 more than, than the DC GP, and like now I don't hold the title anymore. Uh, hopefully you'll get it back at some point. And uh, also, tell Todd to come on our show. <laughs> has, has Todd like said no? He said he was going to come on, but I don't think it worked out. He's a jerk. You don't want him on the show. You guys, well, he's an Alabama you fan. Guys are, yeah, he is. I'm an Alabama fan now, too. Go Bama. That's right. Yeah, oh, I'm sitting in my oh. Bama shirt and shorts as we speak. Uh, how um, how they uh, how they do this week? They got Trump? destroyed, and I don't have any emotional attachment to them. So ha, I'm not really a good fan, am I? Hey, you can't <laughs> say they got destroyed when they were at you know had the chance to go ahead with a minute left. What is no, what cute. scoreboard, buddy? <laughs> there's literally scoreboard. Still an outside chance if Notre Dame. There's there's no outside chance they they still win that game. No, they lost that game. Like the national championship. Oh, Woo! sure headshot. Uh, but they lost this weekend, so I get to laugh for you, even though I have no idea what hand egg sport is about. <laughs> yeah, I've only drank like three bottles of rum since yesterday. So, aww. <laughs> So on that note, on a, while we're enjoying the delicious taste of Travis's tears, let's wrap this baby up. So for the PTQing and hopefully qualified for the Pro Tour, Will, for the on her way back from Salt Lake City, Adina, and for Travis and special guest Brad Yay! This is This is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode Horde of Horde of Notion.